Welcome to the Bishop's Barbecue, featuring preacher, pastor, activist, radio talk show host, and author Bishop Talbert Swan. The Bishop's Barbecue is a family conversation about politics, religion news, and current events. It's truth served hot off the grill with no raisins in the potato salad. Welcome to the cookout. Bishop's Barbecue. Listen, come on into the cookout. Uh, the grill is hot. There's no raisins in the potato salad, just truth being served hot off the grill. Man, I got a panel here tonight that you don't want to miss. Tell a friend, tell somebody we're on the air right now. I need you on all platforms to like, to share, uh, to go ahead, throw those likes up in the air, to uh, subscribe, do whatever you need to do. Tell a friend, tell somebody, we are live, we are on the air. I want to get right down to introducing you to our panel tonight um, uh, because uh, these individuals have a lot to say on the subject matter. We're talking about the debate in America. Why are we debating about whether or not Black Lives Matter? My first guest I want to introduce to you uh, is Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner. She's a trusted advisor a public policy strategist, faith and community leader, author, lecturer, educator, executive coach, and mentor. Uh, she has made an indelible imprint in American public policy, government, diversity, and community relations. She is considered to be one of Washington's most influential leaders, especially in the faith community. 
Uh, she was included in the presidential Who's Who Among Business Professional Achievers. She also served on the White House Faith Council, focusing on the issues of human trafficking. She was the first female executive director of the Congressional Black Caucus, and she still is heavily involved uh, with the CBC. As a matter of fact, uh, she is the one who uh, organizes their prayer breakfast every year. And I want you to say hello to my very special guest, Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner. Dr. Barbara, how you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, wonderful to have you. My next guest, uh, his name is Victor Evans, but he's better known by his stage name, Rusty Jukes. He's a rapper. He's an actor. Uh, he was born and raised in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, a protege of Sean Price, frequent guest rapper on Duck Down Music Recordings. His first appearance was on the song Magnum Force off Helter Skelter's Magnum Force. In addition to 14 studio albums, including his latest release, James Brown of the Underground. His acting uh, career includes uh, As Thick as Thieves and Rewind the Scenes. And if you don't have his latest, you really, really, really need to get his latest uh, because man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is, it's, it's fire. It's absolutely hot. And so I want you all to, uh, welcome my next guest, Mr. Rusty Jukes. How you how feeling? You doing? I'm great, man. I'm how how y'all doing? We doing good, man. Wonderful to have you today. Listen, my next guest, he really needs no introduction, but I got to introduce him anyway. Uh, he is the one and only D.L. Hughley, actor. Uh, author, uh, political commentator, radio host, stand-up comedian. Um, uh, he's best known as one of the original kings of comedy, the original host of BET's Comic View. Um, what else? He, You know him as the character on ABC sitcom uh, The Hughleys. Uh, uh, listen, this gentleman has a lot to say, and the way that he says it, man, uh, will have you in stitches. He's got a brand new book out. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But would you help me welcome the one, the only, D.L. Hughley. D.L. Hey, Bishop. How you doing, baby boy? You all I'm right? Good, man. I'm good. How you feeling? Hey, Rusty. Hey, Doc. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Listen, before we kick off with our conversation with this wonderful panel, I asked my son, T-Swan, and yeah, I got to put the shameless plug in there, man. You, I need y'all to go download his music anywhere that you stream music on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever it is. I asked him to spit a couple bars, uh, just a little bit to kind of set the tone um, for this particular conversation. So let me bring let me bring my boy in here, my namesake, and, and there he is. What's up, man? What's going on, Pops? All right, all right. So, what you got for us? Uh, I'm gonna do a verse off a of, off a song that's on a project that I dropped last year called Humble Rap, and that's on all platforms, like my pop said, Apple Music, Spotify, all that. So, I'm gonna just spit the uh, it, the the whole song is pretty much kind of one long verse. So, I'm gonna just spit that verse for y'all. Right. You want? Oh, okay, I ain't know. I ain't know if I was uh, if if uh, if if it was good to go or not, but I'm good ready to go. go. All right, let's go. It says, uh, why I got a chance to be next up? And why we let the nation elect Trump? 
And why? Because I'm black. Do I got to try two times harder than y'all just to catch up? Why I feel like they still don't respect us, don't accept us or protect, but arrest us? Why I feel that the world's so messed up? Why the system I live in oppress us? Why these girls on the gram wear less clothes? Why is rap now all about the best hooks? Why I'm always on the internet, though? Why I read Facebook more than textbooks? Why did Ricky have to walk to the store? Why Kane have to walk out that door? Why Q still and Raheem never seem to see that there was something wrong with Bishop before? Why Pookie go back to the pipe? Why Mitch ain't catch Uncle Ice? Why Floyd Mayweather get to stack up over 200,000 racks when he fight? Why I gotta pay excise taxes? Why I feel like I don't like rappers? Why I feel like I don't like classes? And why I call so much for a bachelor's? Why I can't get through to the masses? Why they don't know where Springfield masses? Why weak MCs getting passes? Why is everyone a thug and a savage? Why is good nutrition expensive? Why is mass media so convincing? Why is Black Lives Matter offensive? Why work 40 years for a pension? Why people ask why I'm not signed? Why wouldn't I want to be independent? Why try and make a living off rhymes? Why care for a hater's opinion? Why sweat when I get pulled over? And why am I a threat when I, walk, when I rock pullovers? Why can't I buy wine when I'm 18, but I got to register to be a soldier? Why I feel like I hate getting older? Why I feel all this weight on my shoulders? Why I brag when you fake that life? Why Kobe had to take that flight? Why Christ had to pay that price? Why Trayvon Martin couldn't have started walking down a whole nother way that night? Why I stress, but I say I'm all right. Why is everyone rapping like this? Why do millions of rappers exist? Why reality shows ain't so real? And why MJ take those pills? Why are boys in the field getting killed? Why is it getting so real in the field? Why is it harder for real MCs? And why we feel like we still can't breathe? And that's Dope. pretty much it. Dope. All right. All right. Thank right you, man. On. I appreciate right you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Let me Let me get right into this conversation. So the, the, the question is, why is Black Lives Matter even a debate? It's a national movement against racial violence toward Black America. It began it after the 2012 uh, shooting of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin in Sanford, Florida. It grew sharply in 2014 after the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson and Eric Garner uh, in New York. All Lives Matter quickly popped up as advocates were saying that all racial violence should be resisted and limiting the discussion to just black lives is wrong. Uh, social media networks are full of hashtags and black lives matter, all lives matter, blue lives matter. Um, all of that has popped up uh, as a response to our call to get America to understand that black lives matter. So the first question I want to ask um, you all is, is it effective for the Black Lives Matter movement to protest only for black lives or should the winning call to arms instead be say all lives matter or blue lives matter? What, what is the problem with this hashtag with this saying that black lives matter? Let's start with you, Dia. Well, I, I think that no human being should have to ask permission to exist. And obviously all ma lives matter. And there's never been a time in American history when they didn't. There has only been a time in American history recently and, and in the past where our lives didn't. Just the notion that, that to, to express clearly that our lives matter, that it's become so offensive lets you know how far we are off. And I just look what had to happen for the world to start to pay attention to us. Basically, there had to be uh, murders out in the public square, which have always happened. And we had to have a pandemic that made the entire world shut down. So nobody had the distractions that they normally would have 
and they were able to actually see and hear um, our plight and they were ashamed. And I think that spurred them to action. But literally, um, we were under quarantine so long, we were cut off for everything so long that when we started to come out of it, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> so that, I mean, I just, I think that that's, um, it, it, it took the world to stop for, for, uh, for uh, our lives to begin to matter. Wow. Dr. Barber, what, what is what is the debate about? You debate, know, we're, just, the, we're just saying that our lives matter. Why, why is that? Why is that controversial? It's controversial because people have been exposed who have not understood that 401 years later, black people are still not treated as humans, fully human. The 401 years later, when well, you realize that every institution in America works for white people, doesn't work for people of color, doesn't work for black people. So when black lives matter, then all lives will matter. But until then, they won't. Wow. Rusty, let me ask you this, you know, because to me, saying all lives matter is is like is kind of like running through a cancer fundraiser uh, and saying there's other diseases, too. Um, you know, uh, as as if you cannot be concerned about more than one thing at a time. Um, what is this issue among white folks that they take offense to black folks saying, hey, you know, our lives are valuable? I mean, America is extremely racist, you know, and they they definitely don't want to hear us saying uh, they don't they don't they don't want to represent black lives matter because, you know, as soon as they hear us say that they, they want to um, talk about all lives matter to combat it and you know, it just sounds idiotic. It's like if my house is on fire and, you know, I'm worrying about my house. I'm saying my house matters and they talk about all houses matter. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and putting the fire hose on the house that's not on fire. Right. Yeah, 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 That that, that that's crazy. Do Dr. Barber, let me ask you this. Uh, you talk about the power of prayer uh, being joined with righteous opposition. Uh, something you call righteous resistance. You say that it takes the prayers of the faithful fused with righteous resistance to bring down or to cripple a uh, systemic racism. What do you say to a younger generation who believes something other than prayer or righteous resistance should be employed in this moment? Well, prayer is just talking to God. I mean, please. And it, it is, you know, every time you breathe in and out, you're literally in touch with God. You can't breathe without the creator bringing into you the life. So don't get hung up on church and four walls. We're talking about the creator of heaven and earth. And I'm saying that since God made us in his image and likeness, nobody has a right to dismiss us, disrespect us. So you've got to connect with who you are, the excellence in which we've all been made. Out of that, we resist. Out of that, like Fannie Lou Hamer, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like Rosa Parks says, you know, all of us are tired. I think it's out of that sense of you being a, a created a little lower than the angels, that you are special. Nobody is like you. Nobody has your eyes or your iris and your eyes. So knowing who you are, how great you are, leads you to resist anything that puts you down. It's out mm. of your being that you resist. So, so Rusty, on your new project, uh, James Brown mm -hmm. of the Underground, you dedicate the song, Won't Be Televised, to Amud Arbery, George Floyd, uh, and Breonna Taylor. 
And you say right. this, you say on May 25th, a devilish white pig killed an innocent black man without pulling the trig. He held his knee on his neck for nine minutes while his partner held the witnesses back behind limits. Two other officers assisted in this murder, so all four should be convicted of this murder. The hook on this song says, fight this bastard. So many are saying peace is the way to gain justice. Your lyrics suggest a more confrontational approach may be no, necessary. I, I don't, is is, right, is I don't that the that. message you're trying to get across, or what is the message? Yeah, because um, we, we've, been turning, we've been turning the cheek for too long. You know, you have you have to fight fire with fire, fight hate with hate. I mean, you can't you can't fight hate with love. I know a lot of people will say that, you know, but that's not going to work. If somebody breaks into my house right now trying to attack me and my family, I'm going to have to fight back with full force. You know, no, no loving them is not going to happen. It's not going to save me. It's not going to protect my kids and my wife. So, you know, I'm I'm just tired of, you know, sitting trying to play kumbaya and everything, man. We just got to fight back and stand up. All right. D DL, your, your new book, Surrender White People, Our Unconditional Terms for Peace. You deal with the divisions in society uh, that stem from centuries of white supremacy. So when you talk about terms for peace, are you suggesting that something other than peaceful actions might be necessary? Or what is the message that you hope to get across to white America and to America in general? Well, I, I think the, the, the notion, um, first off, it was actually tongue in cheek and the surrender white people isn't uh, on the battlefield is that they uh, surrender this notion of supremacy, of this notion of privilege. Privilege, uh, all of us feel entitled to some things. Um, you know, that's the, that's, the, uh, that's the nature of humanity. People to feel that they're old and, and feel entitled. But we have a society, an entire society that's built on that notion and dismisses anything other than that. And so to me, um, once you have you you know that it exists, like you, to, to know something, you have, knowing something is always easier than saying it out loud and in the book. It's just an admonition to say it out loud and look at all the things historically that put us where we are now. The idea of America is, is uh, the reality of America can't exist with the idea of it. I mean, um, the biggest problem in American history is Google because the things that we were told do not match up with the things that we know. And to tell the truth and to get it all on the table and to laugh a little bit and to learn a little. So the book's attempt was that. And so um, to me, just the notion um, that we have to, uh, you know, like I, I hear these nonsensical arguments that we freed you guys, that, you know, America freed the slave, you know, a hundred, hundred some years ago, but it was, it was a hundred years after that, that we were able to eat in the same restaurant. So you gave us freedom, but not a fork. You still, mm -hmm consistently um, um, uh, in terms of there's a there's a statue to a man right now in, in the middle of New York who's called the father of modern gynecology. Uh, he performed um, surgery on enslaved black women with no anesthesia. Contrasted with what goes on right now where black women and black people are dying because of medical bias, but they don't believe we feel pain. And even if you could look at it, you don't have to look any further than the pandemic. Why are we dying disproportionately? Why has that happened to us? It is because systemically, systemic biases and racism have led us to have less than, to be more exposed to, to be treated less. And so all the book is, is an admonition to look at that, to laugh at it and to learn a little bit. Because I think, um, like I said earlier, knowing something is so much easier than saying it out loud. But once you, you know something and you say it out loud, you're compelled to take action. 
Wow. So so let me ask about this this George Floyd moment because um and you hit on it, DL. You talked about us being in the middle of this pandemic, everybody being locked down and not being business as usual. Uh, so there was this global revolt by black people uh, in solidarity um, with others that spread at an unprecedented speed and scale, literally across the globe. It crossed borders, language barriers. You had protesters in 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 Paris, London, and Brussels, and Minneapolis. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. Who were who were expressing their grievances? Uh, was this time really different? from all of the times before. And, and really, I, I, I guess the question is, what was different about George Floyd's murder? Uh, what was different about his death that sparked international protests and unprecedented solidarity? I mean, you know, Walter Scott was shot in the back on film. I mean, we, we, we saw Eric Garner choked to death on oh. film. What was so different about the death of George Floyd uh, that caused this type of civil unrest literally across the globe. Anybody take a stab at that? Yeah, I think it was in that one nine minutes to see a man <clears throat> casually, a white man with his knee on a brother, helped by three others, looking so casually, put his hand in his pocket, looking into the video saying it doesn't matter what I do to a black man because if even if you arrest me my union is going to save me I'm going to get off it was just such an arrogance and the reason it shocked and caused such outrage because it reminded us of every every dog every police bullet every two, every one of those 6700 lynchings everything that's ever been done to black people in that almost nine minutes, it just, it just was, it touched off a enough is enough spirit across the world. Not that the other deaths didn't matter. Not that, you know, Eric Garner and others didn't matter. It was just the, the human spirit can only take so much until it just broke. I agree. It shattered all the lies they'd ever told to comfort themselves. All the if they just cooperated and they're just doing they do a tough job and you know uh, it, 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 all the lies the society has taken uh, uh, and, and told itself to comfort itself while all these things have been happening were laid bare and they could not lie to themselves anymore and something as the doc, good doctor said something did break and that break was it, it was a connection to humanity all That's of right. a sudden they could not That's lie right. to themselves anymore. That's right. And they couldn't see. Let me tell you something. What, what, what she, and I and I noticed the casual nature with that with that officer took his life. But what disturbed me more than anything is the way that the man called him sir while he was taking his life. That's right. Him as sir, so he could not have been more submissive. He couldn't have done more. And there was nothing that he could have done on God's green earth that would have stopped that man from killing him. And the other thing that disturbed me is that he knew no one, not even the people around. It is as if that the world, the, the, the establishment has, has so chastened black people that they, they so chastened our ancestors that we have felt it and even we fear them. You could, if that had happened to a white motorcycle gang, everybody would, it would have been a whole bunch of people killed. It would have been a whole bunch of but the idea that you will, that the society won't do nothing to me, and you fear me so much, you won't do nothing to me, 
And I think one of the things that has to happen is they need to be disavowed of that vantage point. They need to understand that, that something can happen to everybody, that no one has the right to summarily execute some people. Because you ceased being a police officer and started being a murderer, and they were all your accomplices. And you have the right to defend yourself and, and other people in that situation. Wow. Wow. One of the things, one of the things that that really touched me and, and hurt my heart, man, was when he cried out for his mother, man. That yeah, really, that's right. Dead that mother. really hurt me bad, man. And, and every I seen that, like that was my brother. That could have been me. That could have been a family member of mine. And and right. you know, I think black people just we all felt that all over the world, and everybody just lashed out, you know. But you know what's so sad to me? I don't know a black man that watched that thing in its entirety. I don't know one black man that watched mm -hmm. that entire thing. We watched parts of it and had to turn it's it away. Too much. It's really too much. Too much for mm -hmm. us to take. And at at that point, society, whatever notion they had of all the the lies that we told, the the only reason black lies started to matter because there was no other choice but for them to. So I think that it showed. Hey, Rip, I, I gotta go, and I, and I'm so sorry. I, I just wanted to pop in. I wanted to make sure that I, that I uh, got a chance to say hi to you and uh, make Absolutely. sure I go. Talk to Rusty and a good doctor. And thank you so much. And please have me back again. It's such an interesting conversation. But. Absolutely. Oh, thank I, you. I appreciate you, know. you Gail, man. Thank you, you know much. You're very welcome, man. Thank you so much. And, and talk to you soon. Be, be well, everybody. Take care. Okay. God All bless right. you. God bless you. Right. Thank you. So, 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 I mean, this, you know, after um, he was murdered and, and the protests came out. Now, remember, before um the civil unrest ensued after uh george floyd's murder white folks were going to state capitals protesting sheltering in place um they didn't with want guns. to with they guns. didn't want to, yeah right right with guns with confederate flags and and all that stuff they they they, they didn't want to shelter in place or social distance and they were up in the faces of police officers mm -hmm. um and the response of the police to them mm -hmm. was diametrically opposed to what you see happening right now uh, on the streets of our cities. Not right, only that, they never did that. Right, and the response to the response by government officials, including the guy at sixteen hundred uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, mm -hmm. um, uh, what was was empathy and sympathy for the white protesters, and and he was encouraging governors to cut a deal with them because they were very good people and, and but the moment we we came out to protest the murder of one of ours we became thugs and hoodlums and and all of that kind of stuff what is up with that where america sees those who are protesting against government sanctions to save lives as patriots and those who are protesting the unjust murder of black people as thugs and hoodlums. Start with 401 years. We can't get away from that. If you start off thinking someone is subhuman, they are only good for your productivity to make profit for you. All the laws that have been passed, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, you know, emancipation, 64 Civil Rights Act, 65 Voting Rights Act, all that has happened. And yet you're, you're free, but you're not equal. So what you're talking about is white privilege. It's white skin, unearned privilege. It means you have longer life. 
it means you are presumed to be intelligent. It's like you assume to be innocent. You have you assume the police are there to protect you. You can assume that wherever you go, the society works in your benefit. Just the opposite exists for black people. And when we used to talk about white privilege, white people actually got mad. My white friends would get mad and you you point this out. So what you just have said, that gun example, if if brothers had gone up there, some black men mm. with, with AKAs and stood there, do you think they would have gotten even in the building? Mm -mm. There would have been SWAT teams there. That's that's the America that Black Lives Matter protests have unveiled. That's the America we have to now deal with. And I will say this, and with unashamedly, both in a spirit of love, but in a spirit of resistance, because our people have done both. I can be angry, but I've got to also think with my mind and as well as my heart that I have got to resist. I can resist with my vote. I can resist with the fact that I can be counted. I can resist with my money buying black, but I have to understand that that's how I am viewed. That's not how I view myself, but that's how I am viewed. So this nonsense about we are equal, when we're equal when I'm not afraid of the police when they pull up behind me. We're equal when I don't worry about my six grandsons getting shot in the back. That's wow. when we're equal. Wow. So, so Rusty, what what, what would ha what would have happened if if those were black men with, with math, uh, uh, riot gear, um, um, AR-15s rolling up on state capital anywhere in America? I think. I mean, I don't want to. I wouldn't wish that on my brothers, but I, I would definitely think they would have opened fire or they would have been arrested violently. You know what I'm saying? So I, I know it wouldn't have ended well. It would yeah. not have ended well. We definitely couldn't do the same thing. No. But, 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 but not, only, not only did we see a stark contrast in terms of how they were treated in some cities, uh, like in, in Philadelphia, the police actually deputized armed white militias to uh to, to go after black protesters um right okay okay we have to go back to history the slave patrols was the beginning of the criminal justice system that we have now as mass incarceration the year after emancipation there were deputized whites to go and get blacks who were quote, not working. Now you just got released from the plantation. You're now free, you got the emancipation. If black men were around, they would get rolled, pulled up again and sent back to another plantation. That slave control mentality is with the police today. And you know, I'm saying this, that I, I, I'm not saying that police, all policemen are like that. Look, if somebody breaks into my house, I'm not calling my sister. I'm gonna call and hopefully I get a good policeman. We need well-trained police, but we don't need the police who see themselves as predators and not as public servants. We pay their salaries, we pay their pensions, and they don't they should act like that. But that's now, the I think that uh oh, go ahead. Good, no, no, go ahead. You're good, you're good. No, I think that um um the, the man the man and his son that killed Amart Arbery. They felt like they were deputized officers the way right. they went after him and, and did what they did. And and they really figured that they would just get off clean. And that's why they wasn't arrested for, you know, up to like two months later. 
you know, and they was under police protection, just like how they 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 protect the Ku Klux Klan when they um, you know, march through the streets and everything. So so we so we really gone from from office from overseer to officer, right? In, in terms of your analogy, Doctor William Skinner. Yeah, and the, and what you have to be concerned about, I mean, I, is when people talk about defund or not defund the police. The, the bottom line is that you need to reconstitute what policing is in the black community. Period. You need, you know, we need to deal with policemen. Need to understand, like a public official, they work for us. Our hard-earned tax money pay their salaries and their pension, right, to allow them to live. They need to act as though they work for us to safe keep us and not to be predators and warriors over us. So I'm saying we have to reconstitute and reimagine policing like that. Public safety and violence prevention is what they need to be in. Police shouldn't be doing half the things they're doing. Look, if somebody has a domestic violence uh, issue at home, the police do not know how to handle that. If somebody is mentally ill, that's not a job for the police. Police shouldn't be called if somebody is drunk in a car like uh, uh, Brother Brooks who got shot. Yeah. He was, had been drinking, he's in a car. Is that the police job? He lost his life over that. So we are funding police for too many things that should be done by well-trained professionals. And that's what the refunding should be about. Yeah. Now, 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 when we when we deal with um, the whole issue of police, um, you know, there's a stark difference between how black folks view police, how white folks view police, and particularly um, younger generations. I know when my generation, even when, when I grew up, we did not look at the police as friends, as as folk that we would call. Um, I know the current generation doesn't. They they have literally become the hashtag generation. What do we say to young people in terms of how they interact with police when their experience with police is every other week, they are reading a story, seeing a protest, seeing some young black or, or man or young black lady's name put into a hashtag being murdered by police, what what can you say to this generation um, about law enforcement? There is a, you're going to hear me say this over and over, 401 year cycle of oppression followed by resistance, followed by advancement. The reason we're getting some symbolic changes right now, why? is because of Black Lives Matter has been on the case and they've been joined by a lot of white allies. When we stop resisting, this is what happens. Now, until the police change, I have to tell my, my grandsons and my godson the same thing, that there's a way that you have to, unfortunately, there's a talk if you wanna stay alive. I, look, I can tell them, I. I don't want the police to do this. The police should not do that. It's unlawful. I want them to come home alive. Mm -hmm. Until we resist and pool our money and, and appoint and vote the right people in and just don't keep voting for the top of a ticket, but vote for the right sheriff, the right attorney general, the right prosecuting attorney. We've got to be smarter about our vote. Black, white, young people have are, are 
larger in population than my generation. We need them voting out some of these sheriffs that have been over, over these police departments. So we need young people to know that they have power with their vote. That's their weapon. They need to use their weapon this November. Rusty, in 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 the hip hop community, in the younger uh, generation in that community, what what is the thought process about police uh, and how we should be interacting with them? My experience with police has, has always been horrible. Um, you know, they've, they've always been harassing me since I, I don't even know how old, since I've been um, probably 12 or 13. You know, and um, it's been in my neighborhood, you know, you know, you had, you know, you look on TV and you see how the police interact with uh, white people and they, you know, they, they know their they father, their mother and everything. Everything is so polite and peaceful. Mm -hmm. They just, they've been harassing us since we've been able to, you know, yeah. since yeah. we've been in like junior high school. And it's, and, um, I've never had a, a police interaction that was, you know, that that went smooth. Everything was always, you know, they it's it's just horrible, man. And I have a 22 year old son, a 13 year old, and and I, you know, I you just have to learn learn your rights. You know what I'm saying? You know what to say, what not to say. And um, like she said, you know, I, I definitely want my boys to come home. I don't want them to, you know, the police to do, you know, have it be another hashtag. It's like the rest. Yeah, of exactly. Exactly. Well, what do you tell your son? What do you tell your son yeah. to do? Yeah, that's it a would good be question. Helpful. Because if, if you've never had well, a, a decent experience with police, how many other black men have that same testimony? Right. Like we'll see, we'll be standing it. It'd be a group of us standing in front of the building. They'll harass us and then they'll go to the next block and do the same thing with the other kids. Hey, and, you know, it's just on and on and on. And so it's just call. like, wow. Like, you know, nobody has that feeling of um, police protection. Right. And anything that happens to you, they'll tell you, you know, you could go tell them like, well, somebody's trying to kill me. Somebody wants to do something to me. And they'll tell you, well, we can't do nothing to you until it happens. You know, we can't do nothing for you until it happens, like, you know, until somebody hurts you. Like, and, then wow. it's like, and then, and then, you know, I think that brings in where a lot of young people, you know, they handle stuff the way they, you know, handle it on their own, take the law into their own hands, but they don't have protection. Mm. Mm, and, then, wow. and then you know, then they get locked up for doing that, and everybody looking at them like they're savages. But right, right, they gotta survive. Right. Like you can't even if you call the police on somebody, you know, the neighborhood, the whole neighborhood to turn against you. And I'm right. like, oh, you getting the police right. involved? Like, then how you gonna live? And the police definitely not gonna come to your rescue. Absolutely. Good evening, yeah. caller. You're on the air. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hello. Hello. What you're doing and, and you know, keeping everybody. Um, alert to what's going on in our countries and communities. I just wanted to say that um, I know for myself and what I tell my children all the time that if they ever get pulled over by the police is that they need to um, call us, make sure that the phone is on, make sure that we can hear everything, put their hands where they can see them. That's right. And do just do what, what, what is told. And you know what? I'm going to tell you what the sad thing is. So we're, we're telling our children this. This is the first thing my son said. Mom, you know I can still get shots. They might still shoot me. Mm. Now that's you know this is this is the stuff that we're dealing with all the time, and it's it's just it's just mind boggling and it's frightening, mm. you know. And then you have this idiot that's supposed to be, you know, for the people. I suppose the president. Mm -hmm. He's not making anything any better. He's over mm -hmm. there now, you know, trying to invade all of our. Are predominantly, you know, black 
in brown communities and cities. Mm-hmm. You know, he's inciting a lot more of this um, hostility and, and violence. All right. Thank you so much for your call. Yeah. And, and, and he really is. All of this law and order talk, um, the, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, um, invoking um, the language from a racist of, of the 1960s, uh, all to stoke up his base, um, you know, is it, happening right now in the middle of an election season. Uh, and, and, and there are those who are telling us once again, you know, if you just comply, um, you won't get shot. And, and what the caller just said is absolutely true. Uh, what her son said to her, you might still get shot even when you do comply. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we'll take another call. Caller, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, just a, a couple of things I want to say. Um, I'm an immigrant. Uh, I came here on uh, H-1B visa. Um, my specialty is bioinformatics. So uh, I do a lot of stuff with like protein folding and, you know, things of that. So I'm, I'm very heavily connected in the scientific community. But what I wanted to say was I was... I'll say I had a very rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened like two years ago. Uh, I, they, they, okay, the, I was pulled over by, by a cop. This happened in uh, Chicago. He said my tail light was out. So, you know, I, I got out the car, you know, I, I, I started my license and registration and stuff. And, and I go back to the back of my car, and both my tail lights are working. So I'm like, what the heck is going on here? You know, is this. Is, you know, is this guy crazy or something? Is he demented? You know, and, and I got a ticket. And I, I of course, I followed it. I went to court. And they, they just said, well, I, I, I took pictures of the back of the car and everything. And, you know, the, the lights are working. And I, I was still fined. And I had to pay $800. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you know, you- that was a very true. I mean. So you, it's a very traumatic thing because you know I'm looking, my tail lights are working, but I still get fined for it, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm from Ethiopia, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, was this racism? Is it, you know, I don't, bad luck? You know, welcome to America. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, welcome to America. <laughs> Thank you for your call. Yeah, where the where, where the police will uh, lie and make up an excuse, uh, but how? Let me get it from both of your perspective, Rusty, from a black male perspective, and Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner from a a, okay. a female, a mother's perspective. What is it like, you know, w- w- when you're raising children in America, um, and the kids come home late, um, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You, you don't rest, you don't, you, 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 you don't. don't get to rest you, until you they're in that house, and you know. Um, that they're safe because you understand you've got crime that may just happen, but but you know that if they fall into the hands of law enforcement, that they are just as likely to be in danger as 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 random street crime. What's that like, both from a male and female perspective? Right, I I um I definitely understand now how my mother felt when I was out there because it was uh, where I grew up in the Crown Heights. It was really rough. And, um, you know, I just didn't hang out there. I could be in Brownsville, the best style. And, you know, we didn't have cell phones then, so I couldn't be calling, checking in. So I would be all going all day until my curfew. So I understand how that is. And um, my oldest son, my youngest son, he stays in the house a lot. 
So I don't have to worry about that right now. But my oldest son was out there like that. And um, I definitely couldn't rest until he was home and I knew everything was straight. Dr. Barbara, from a, from a woman's perspective, um, what, what is that like? Well, children, I'm going to I am going to tell you this. I am a praying woman. I believe that God hears and answers a mother's prayer and a grandmother's prayer. And I wouldn't have gotten this far without prayer, without the power of prayer. I pray over my children. They're not with me. I have two grown daughters and they have between them 11 children. Okay, half of those are boys. So I pray for them by name because I can't, we can't protect our children. What we can do is what the caller said. We can tell them, have your license. When you get in the car, first thing I do is put my license out, okay? I have my phone on. I have my earpiece on. If I'm if I'm talking to somebody, I keep it on. I've been stopped by the police. And I exactly what she said. I put my hands on my steering wheel. I listen. I watch. I hear and I am praying. But I, I wish we lived in a nation and we could tell our children that they'll be safe. But it's not true. What we can tell them is that not Every police is like that. We, I, I know some, and and that that those who are bad apples, we should be using our political power to get them out. We need to be fighting the unions that protect police, whether they kill as they did with uh with our brother uh, George Floyd and Brianna. We have to fight. We have to get used to the idea that we're going to have to resist all of our lives because the country was not built. Uh, for equality with people of color in mind. Fighting is and praying is what I do. Zooks, you, you come from Crown Heights. Um, right. I, I participated uh, not too long ago in uh, watching a film uh, called Crown Heights about the Colin Warner story yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, of him, you know, uh, in that, in that uh, particular borough. How many similar stories have you seen growing up there uh, through the years? And then I'll ask you both this, how much trauma does that put on black people when you experience over and over again, this one, and I'm not talking about what you've seen on television necessarily, right, but right. from Crown Heights, you've lived it, you've seen it with neighbors yeah. and friends and, and, and people that are associated oh. with you. What kind of stress and trauma does that put on it's, black it's, people? It's, How does that affect it's a lot, It's really traumatizing. Well-being. It's really traumatizing, man. And it's it's, it's disturbing. Like, you know, we, we kind of get used to it. Like, that's the way of life. And, like, that's how it is. That's how the police are. And, um, you know, when I look back at it now, because I'm 42, when I look back at when I was a teenager and things that I went through and experienced with the police and, my you know, what my friends went through and their family, it was just like, horrible man like i mean i don't you know that's why everybody that hate builds up you know everybody can't stand the police and then every you know so every little thing that they do we you know we, we want to fight back nobody wants to um you know we don't even want to interact with the police to even ask them uh for, for um directions for anywhere you know what i mean or what time it is like you don't even want you don't want the police in our presence you know i have people like they don't even want to go to court um to you know, check on their friends about you know what's going on with them because they don't even want to be in there, you know, around police. Like, you know, it's wow. it's, it's it's really crazy. Wow. Yeah. So, so Dr. William Skinner, they they have this thing in medical 
um, the profession that they call weathering, particularly yeah, when it's right, with right. black women, even though we know black don't crack and, and y'all look good for your age and all that. But they say this weathering effect because of the stress and trauma uh, that you deal with because of racism in America, uh, that your bodies are really breaking down. And, and that's the reason why the medium um, uh, uh, longevity of life is so much below white women um, um, in America. What is that like being a black woman in America to have to deal with this stress and this trauma? Well, you know, when COVID-19 broke out and it showed that black people were getting, they were uh, dying three times higher and, and getting the infected six times higher, that is hypertension. That That is heart disease. That's all of the issues. It's not just that we don't go to the doctor and we don't take care of ourselves and we don't eat right. Being black makes you sick in the country that doesn't mm. value your personhood. Mm. And for people to act as though, you know, people are obese, they should eat right and all, it's so ridiculous. The data shows that we're, we're twice as like, even black women likely when we get breast cancer, more likely to die, even a middle-class black woman like me, well-educated, would likely to die quicker than my white women counterparts. Let me tell you this morning, it just so happens that I'm on your show and this happened this morning. A brother comes to my door. I live in the black community in Washington, DC. Now I have ring.com. I do not answer my door. I was working. I was working at my desk. And so I was speaking to him from my phone. What do you need? What's happening? He said, somebody broke, I live behind you, the street behind you, broke into my garage, stole two laptops and some other pieces of uh, car parts, and they put some of it behind your garage. I want you to know I'm gonna be walking, you know, behind your garage just to see, is that okay? And I said, absolutely. And he said, uh, what do you think I should do? I said, well, and he's looking at me. I'm look I mean, I'm looking at him through the screen. He knows that he could call the police if something was stolen. He doesn't even want to call the police like the brother just said, because he knows if he calls the police, he could end up on a hashtag. Mm. Wow. That's the, that is the trauma that black people face every single day. And it should not happen into these United States of America. And white people who ask you, what is systemic racism? What do you mean by white privilege? I didn't own any slaves to just wake up and just, you know, get to know a black person. We're saying two sane black people talking to you tonight. I'm not hating on anybody, but that's real. And the trauma black people face just from a country that doesn't value your life the way it values a white life causes trauma, internal trauma. Wow. Yeah, so, like where I, where, when I was growing up, my mother, she was um she was in an abusive relationship for years with uh with my sister's father. And he used to I used to be so afraid, so petrified, like for years. You know, he used to break a whole door down. And at multiple times she went to the hospital and um she would call police and, and you know have um you know put um you know restraints on him and nothing would ever happen. And they was come there and talk to my mother and treat her like trash, you know. And um, so early, I I I I knew that you know the police wasn't there to help us and they didn't care about us, and you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, 
Mm. That that just stuck with me forever. It's a real story. Yeah, these are real stories that are happening every day. Good evening, caller. Yeah, good evening. Um, I'm listening to um, <clears throat> conversation. Um, what I, what happened? Um, like with George Floyd's story. I remember. Um, you see, this this brought it to a place that you face with uh, with police already. The uh, the, the um uh, the injustice of police. I was living in Brooklyn, and I remember 1997. I, w I was driving, and they, they pulled me over. And after they, they run me, they said I was okay and I was good to go. The other one to the passenger side, as I'm about to, 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 to pull off, he stopped me, asked me for my, my, my information again. I said, for what? Your, your partner just took my, uh, your informa my information and run it and said, I'm good to go. He said, don't ask me any question. Gave it to me. I, I, I gave it to him. And... He, 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 gave me, he came up with a summons driving on the sidewalk. I said, how could you do that? He said, I must go to court and prove it, which I did. I went to the court and they still found me guilty. You understand? And what I'm seeing here now that they said the gang, um, the, 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 the gang activities is up and spiking. And I'm wondering why? Who, who, who is doing this thing? What kind of um, uh, uh, propaganda or politics that they are playing with us? Why are you telling me no drive by shooting? Is it because they, they are planning to defund the police and these crooked cops sending people to our neighborhood to um, carry out their evil act? Because I, I know that. I used to live certain life and police will do that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden now, um, we driving and we shooting baby. We, 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 we driving and we shooting a funeral. Listen, I, I know, I, I know we can do that, but that, that's not us, man. Come on. That's not us. Um, people are saying that, yes, we're killing our own. I understand that. But what I'm saying, all these black men that this cop um, 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 killed is not gang related. They don't go there and search for a murderer because they are pumped and they're scared. You know what I'm saying? Innocent black men. So I don't want to hear the argument and talk about we are killing our own. They don't want to hear that. And if we are killing our own, that's why they are there to protect us from not killing our own. All you right. So all this rhetoric, I, I, I saw this black girl painting out the Black Lives Matter sign and talking about take back America and vote for Trump in the name of Jesus. Get the crap from people with that foolishness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I Why are we doing it. this? Because some white people, they love when we play a, make a mockery of our own self. You understand? Know yes, sir. So that's what Marcus Garvey said. Not every black people you're going to bring back to Africa. Well, let, let's get the but, response of the um, of the panel. A few things he talked about. One, there is a big, a, a lot of distrust with the police, where where people are saying, right. Uh, right. when when all of these shootings are happening in Chicago and other places, that 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 there's some subversive activity that's happening, and perhaps those are not uh, all gang related or or or. Yeah, I believe it. And and perhaps the police have something to do with it. When when the protests were going on, um, there were white folks breaking windows and. Um, right. uh, and and starting stuff and and some of them were suspected uh, of being police officers. So there's a real distrust, um, and there may be some credible information out there that will substantiate um, some of that. So I want I want you all to touch on that. And then the other thing he talked about, I'm sure you mm -hmm. all seen that viral video uh, of the young lady defacing the Black Lives Matter mural, uh, and she was saying Black lives don't matter until Jesus matters. And you know. 
uh, Reverend, you and I are Christians. We believe Jesus matters, but we also believe Black Lives Matters. And then she starts mm -hmm. saying, Trump 2020, take your country back, take your country back. Uh, and, and, and I say that's the job that bastardized religion has done on the minds of some Black people um, to the point, uh, you know, uh, where where they have accepted um, this this the same evangelical white religion that justified slavery that promulgated mm -hmm. the curse of Ham myth that black folks uh, were cursed. There are black people who who are really brainwashed in that. So I let you all respond. I know I, I threw out a lot, but I'll let you all respond to that. Go on, brother. My brother. Okay. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, thank you. So I, you've got two or three things going there. So one, I'm, I'm, I'm under, I mean, I understand you want to talk about the lady in Jesus. Let me start there. Okay. okay. So I am not into organized religion. I will not walk across the street to argue about Christianity because Christianity enslaved people. Christianity has been the base for starting wars. I gave my life in faith to Jesus Christ who died for me because I needed to be forgiven of my sin and the love and my heart was not loving. I was very hateful. Okay, so that has changed my life. So I will fight for that. What I am arguing here is that it is impossible to talk about the God who created you and you're made in that image and say, until black until Jesus, black lives matter. It, black it's ridiculous. That is ignorant. That is just absolutely ignorant to God all lives matter. In America, black lives don't matter. That's our struggle. That's our continuous resistance. That's what we're voting about in November. That's what we're fighting for right now, for all, for us and our children. Rusty, what, what do you say about that, that, that notion that, that, that this is, this isn't all gang related crime. There, there's some funny stuff going on. I mean, it's, it's been proven before that they put drugs in our neighborhood. They put guns in our neighborhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole the whole Reagan, um, Grand Contra, Oliver That's North, right. you know, you. it's, it's you know, it's evident. And um, so I don't believe nothing that uh, a lot of the things the government say, because they've been lying forever. So it's like, you know, when do you know when to trust? Like, I don't I don't believe anything they say. Yeah. You know, all of that could be happening, you know, just like they they doing those drive bys on. um. In different states, on um, when they was when they protesting for Brianna, when they protesting for George, you know, people was getting shot at the peaceful protest, you know, and I I don't think that was just um, you know, that had to have been police trying to incite more, you know, a race war. That's what yeah. I mean. Let me let me ask this. So, in the wake of all of this that has happened, you've seen some concessions that have been made. Uh, you've seen some apologies come out. You've seen right. uh, businesses that have um that have started giving money uh, to black organizations. Right. Uh, you've seen um, 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 like the Washington Redskins committing to change the name uh, of the Redskins. So you, right. you've, seen a, you've seen a lot of things that are happening in response to this moment. I believe, uh, and you all tell me what you think, that a lot of this um, is centering on optics. Um, uh, corporations making statements uh, all of a yeah, sudden yeah, NFL, yeah. you know yeah. taking, taking down statues taking down statues yeah, and supporting yeah. uh supporting uh black lives matter being painted on the ground and but but none of that right. none of that stuff really really means nothing it's not holding weight 
Right. So they right. changed though, you know, they still police are still killing people. They still um, you know, still police brutality. You know, like it's a lot of the, it's a whole lot of things that have to be addressed before us, you know. So I, 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 I think there's a lot of check the box politics going going on. So corporations right. can say, right. you know, in the middle of this, uh, yeah, we they gave, just, they just we gave make people have money. You know, we, we we painted a Black Lives Matter sign. Uh, and so the, the question, you know, that I have is, is when are we going to be able to um, or how do we move from symbolic change to substantive change? Because all of that is that's symbols, you know, that, OK, we removed some statues. We painted Black Lives Matter on the ground. We gave, uh, you know, the Urban League or the NAACP or the. A, a right, right. foundation, a little bit of money. We sponsored this. We sponsored that. Uh, we hired a couple black right. people. But at the end of the day, if policies, laws, procedures, um, um, and systems don't change, we're still in the same place we were before George Floyd was murdered. So what do we do to move from all of this symbolism to some real substance? So I, think, was, um, I remember with uh um the brother um dr floyd anderson he was saying you know group economics you know we all start putting our money together and and we don't we could govern ourselves we could put put our money together and build our own and and you know it'll be we don't have to uh rely on a, a politician that comes in to make a change to, for them to have a black agenda we just have our own black agenda and and move how we you know supposed to move and have another uh black wall street again you know mm. We have the brothers so right. We have 1.2 trillion income yeah. between us. We have enough to buy universities, radio, TV stations, cable stations. But it does, my brothers, come down to us loving God and our neighbor, our black neighbor, the way we love ourselves. I think getting over this idea that the white man's ice is whiter and his milk is colder, we got to look at what one another in the same love that we look at other people because I'm not going to trade with you if I don't think that you matter, that your life is valuable. So I would, I think the brother is so right. We've got to start putting our money into black products and finding out who's making wigs and who is making shoes and who's designing dresses and all. We have money. All of us are not poor. I think that's the start. The second thing that's got to happen is what the Bible calls restitution or reparation. If I break something of yours, I gotta pay for it. If you had, if you took my life, you you kidnapped me, brought me over. I worked for two hundred and fifty years, and you did not pay me. You owe me something. Now, I'm not saying it has to be money. It has to be some way of making black people whole. It has to be something substantial, and it can't be an apology. It's got to be something substantial to make up for the wealth gap, for the disparities in income, in jobs, in housing, in healthcare, and the like. We we talk, we got to talk about reparations at the end of the day. But you know what, Dr. William Skinner, um, when when you begin to talk about reparations, I, I think it was it was it was Dr. Sandy Darity who, at one point in time, had come up with a figure and said, you know, if if you gave uh, the descendants of enslaved Africans, um, the what was the value of 40 acres and a mule uh, in modern terms, um, that would come out to somewhere about 2.5 trillion 
um, dollars. And of course, you know, the critics were like, that's too much money. We can't afford to give reparations, so on and so forth. When COVID happened and all of a sudden America was bleeding jobs uh, and, and white folks were affected by this economic downturn, they passed a bill that allocated $2 trillion like that. It's like they found $2 trillion under a mattress somewhere um, when before they were saying, oh, that's just way too much money. And even since that first package, they passed the second one. So, so it seems to me that when white folks were affected, they could find that money in a heartbeat that they can never find uh, for the descendants of enslaved Africans. Well, we've given... Right. Re given reparations in this country. In 1851, when the West was completely without population, they paid, this country paid 1.5 million white Europeans to come over and move to Nebraska, California, Oregon, and those places. We have paid Jewish people reparations. So we have the money. We already know we have the money. We have another stimulus package, by the way, coming out called the uh, what is it? I, I can't. What is it called? The help, the hope, the mercy, whatever it is, is to help people get off of of their uh, destitute situation. Because by this Friday, a lot of people are going to face eviction. So yeah. we have the money, but again, if people do not value your life as the way they value, th that's the issue we're dealing with. It's valuing some lives more than others. If white people were in the shape that black people are in, and it, they were, you know, two and a half times more unemployed, and, and, and they were six times more likely to be infected with COVID and three times more likely to die, oh, the money would be found. And mm. if they had been enslaved instead of us, we would be paying, rest we'd be paying restitution and reparations. It's about valuing life. We have to fight for this. We have to fight for everything. We have to stop getting this idea that anybody's going to give us anything. Power can see nothing without a demand. It never has and it never will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rusty, I need you to do me a favor, man. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna round this out and get your you all's final comments, but I need you to I need you to spit me a few bars. Uh, uh my son started it off, but I, I I need you to come up with something to inspire the people. All right. Put your fists in the air for black power. Sleepwalkers, time to wake up and stare hour to break chains and relearn the real truth. Actual factual backed up with real proof. Our history, his story. He slaughtered the indigenous people for his glory. So how's the oppressor gonna tell the oppressed how to speak about oppression? Speak to the Western. My skin is a weapon to white eyes. The black man exposing these white lies. Legalize being black in America. We still slaves, that's a fact in America. The black man take a knee, they all riot. The black man take a bullet, they all quiet. Poison in the water, poison Ooh. in the food, putting poison in your mind through that motherfucking tube. All right, all right, all right. Final remarks, brother. Final remarks. What 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 do you say in this moment of questioning whether black lives matter? What's your message to America? What's your message to black people? Uh, you know, I, I think my message to black people, man, is we, we just got to we got to stop begging. I think we just got to start making moves and we got to take what's ours. That's it. Straight up. Right. Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, what's your message to America? What's your message to black people at this moment? My message is that we need each other. 
and that black people are your brothers and sisters, we need allies, but black people have to begin, as the brother just said, to look at what we already have in our hands, the strength we already have, the money we already have, the wealth we already have, and begin to expand that and to build with one another. And I'm, we're not hating on anybody. We just need to start building with and for ourselves. I want to thank uh, the two of you. Of course, uh, DL had to get off. I want to thank DL Hughley for coming on the first part of the program. I want to thank you, Dr. William Skinner, uh, for the work for that you're doing. And it's thank always you. a pleasure to work with you. Uh, you. And, and, and Rusty, you know, you my man. You 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 inspire me uh, with the messages, the consciousness of your music, and and what you're putting out there uh, for all of us. So I want to appreciate both of you. Um, for what you do in your own individual spheres. Thank you, Rusty, right. for what you do. Thank you. Nice meeting you. You too. Right. God bless you. Listen, you, listen. All right, absolutely. Listen, everybody, next Wednesday, next Wednesday, I come back to you with the Bishop's Barbecue. I've got uh, the Reverend Otis Moss the Third. I've got uh, Bishop Darren Moore. Uh, they're going to be with us same time, same batch station Wednesday at nine o'clock p.m. Uh, you need to be there. And until the next time I talk to you and you talk to me, always remember God loves you. And so do I.
his name. Trayvon Martin, won't you say his name? Sean Bell, say his name. Sean Bell, say his name. Sean Bell, say his name. Sean Bell, won't you say his name? Say his name. 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 Won't you say his name?